Well, you may be seated. Isn't it good to be present here today? I mean, I just, I want to acknowledge that God's presence is here with us, and uh, we are so glad that you're present. If you're a visitor, uh, this is my first Easter at Pathway 2, and so welcome. We are so glad you are here with us today. As we get into what does it mean that Jesus was on the rise, what does it mean that, that he was resurrected, uh, there's a saying in the church that goes back years, he is risen, and then you say, he is risen indeed. Can we try it? He is risen. He is risen Let's do it one more time. He is risen. He is risen indeed. That fact that Jesus is risen changes everything. Uh, my, one of my kids this week was asking me the question, Dad, what, what, what's more important, Christmas or Easter? What a dilemma to be in, right? And, and, and the reality is, I said, yes, they're both important. They're both important, obviously, and we put a lot in our culture onto Christmas and a lot of how we celebrate and all of those things. But the reality is, without Jesus' death on the cross, without his resurrection, we wouldn't have anything. Jesus' death and resurrection is the centerpiece of our faith. And when we look at who Jesus is and what he did for us on that rise, on that rise called Golgotha, Calvary, where he was crucified, when we look at the empty tomb and what he did, it is amazing who our God is and how much he loves each and every one of us. I'm going to take you back for a minute uh, to, to my childhood. I, uh, I'm a child of the 80s, and uh, maybe some of you are as well. Uh, maybe some of you are like, man, he's young. Uh, some of you are like, wow, he's old, right? Like, welcome to a multi-generational church. It's beautiful. Uh, here's a picture of my family who will be with us today at Pathway. Uh, this is my mom and dad. Say, aw. Aren't they great? And then you've got my brother and I. My brother is here as well with his family. And uh, we're rocking those stonewashed jean jackets. And uh, we are just doing our best. You know, I, I used to not like to go to church uh, as a kid because I had to, like, change how I dressed. I had to put, like, slacks on and something called corduroy, for those of you that remember that. And, uh, but I grew up in the church, and it was later in life that actually it clicked and made sense. I'll get to that later in, in the message. But for now, I want you to get a glimpse of this because that, that little boy right there, that, that Brian uh, that you see there on the left actually took a trip with his dad uh, around the same age. We went out to uh, Wyoming together. Uh, he, he had a work trip. He took me with him. And uh, there was some juvenile youth on the trip. That was what he did for uh, his ministry and his career at that time. And, and so we went to Grand Teton National Park. And this, uh, to this day, is one of those moments you don't forget where you see something that is truly uh, large and, and amazing and beautiful. And so here's a picture of uh, Grand Teton. Uh, this is in Wyoming and just gorgeous. And so here's what happened on that trip. We actually went out to, to hike around that area, and there's a number of different trails. I'm not sure which one it was. I looked it up. Uh, most of them range from like four and a half miles to about nine miles, okay? And so we go out on this, this trip, like walking around that, that national park, and you've got this beautiful on the ride, this mountain that's, that's right there in front of you. And, and, and I'll tell you, like, I, as, at that age, I was struggling, like, it, that picture may not have showed it, but, but I was confused. Uh, we had had a death in our family. I was discouraged. I was disappointed. Uh, I was not in a great place. And, and so we get out on this hike, and we get about, 
what I now know is about halfway out. I didn't know this at the time. And, and I can't hear the voice of my dad. I can't hear the voice of anybody else around me. I get so discouraged and so frustrated that I become a little brat. Amen. <laughs> Dad's in this service. If you're online, that was, that was my dad. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> Real life, real people, right? Real God. So, so yes, I became a brat. You have too, probably at some point. And, and so, so I have this moment, and I kind of just lose it. I freak out. And, and from there, they just, my dad says, okay, that's fine. We'll let the group go on, and I'll turn around, and I'll go back with you. And so we turn around and go back. I find out years later that we actually were at the halfway point. Like, how ridiculous is that? We were literally at the halfway point. If I could have heard, if I could have seen what was really going on, it would have been just as easy to go forward and I would have got to experience all of that. It's interesting that sometimes we can be so down and out that we actually are missing what God is doing in the midst of it. Turn with me, if you have your Bible, to Luke chapter 24 because we're going to see a moment where Jesus enters in. He's on a walk with two people. They are disappointed. They are discouraged. They are three days after the death of Jesus. They had saw their, what they believed was their Savior and their Messiah, the one that they believed was going to overthrow the government, the Roman Empire, the one that they believed was going to change everything, brutally killed and placed in a tomb. They're walking seven miles, we learn, from Jerusalem on a road called Emmaus, and they're just down and out. They're discouraged. They're disappointed. And what they didn't realize is that while they wanted Jesus to overthrow an empire and a government, Jesus came to overcome death. Jesus came as the resurrection and the life to invite them to life on the rise. Let's check it out, picking up in verse 13. It says, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood looking sad. And one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped. Say hope. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of our women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that he had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. See, here's the incredible thing that's going on in this passage. Jesus is showing up in their walk and in their journey. And because of that, they are down but not out. They are down but not out. We may feel after a crazy year 
in our country and in our communities and maybe in our own life that we're down and out. But we're not down and out when Jesus is still on the move and on the rise. Jesus is alive and active and he shows up in our messiness. He shows up in the difficulty. He shows up in the hardship. He shows up in the situations that feel hopeless to provide hope. And he's here in this moment with them and we see that they're sad in verse 17. In verse 21, we see that they're, they're a little bit discouraged. And we see in verse 22 or so that they're confused. And here's Jesus showing up. And this is what, what I think happens often is that, that in fact, when we're disappointed, what we really need is a divine appointment. What we really need in the disappointment is a divine appointment, a moment where God shows up and begins to reveal who he is and a little bit of what he has for us. Can I get an amen, church? And so if you're in that place today like they are of being disappointed or discouraged, kind of wondering what's going on, my prayer has been that you would have a divine appointment today. That you would sense the Lord showing up and saying, listen, I'm on the rise. And because of that, there is hope, there is life, there is all that you need. That in fact, the invitation that we see from Jesus is a God who, who walks with us. Who says, listen, redemption had a higher cost than you even knew. You didn't realize that your sin and its cost would be my death, my sacrifice. How much did Jesus love you and I? When you look to the cross, Scripture says that God demonstrated his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. How much did he love us? He stretched himself completely out, gave himself of us. That was redemption's cost. That was the cost of what it meant to enter into this relationship with Jesus who gives us hope, who gives us life. And here he is showing up in their messiness. I don't know what situation you're facing today. I don't know what you have gone through in the past year or years. But you need to know that, that your God loves you enough to say, that is why I came. That thing that you've been holding on to, that thing that you can't let go of, that thing that you thought defines you, our God wants to redefine it through his son, Jesus. Church, our God is able. And that divine appointment that they're having and experiencing here changes everything for them. And I want to just tell you, I believe that it isn't just today. It's, it's tomorrow. It's this walk that we're on together with Jesus and if you're a visitor checking us out today, I want you to know next week we start, start a new series. In fact, there's little cards, I believe, on your seats. If you're online, they'll give you info. Our host will drop it there for you. It's called Walk With Me. We are going to take the next couple of months, and we are just going to say we're going to walk with God and with each other because we believe we serve a God who says you're worth it. I love you, and I want to walk with you. Now let's see what happens next because in this moment, Jesus is a little frustrated with them and wants to help them understand a little bit more. Verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? 
And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. As we look at this, hope is revealed and on the rise, and I believe it's revealed and on the rise in the same way today in our lives. Jesus is on the rise. He comes to them and says, let let me explain to you my word. Let me explain to you what's actually in the Bible because you missed it. And we don't know exactly what he taught them on that road, what, what he said to them. But it says that it was the law, so we know it's the first five books of the Old Testament, and it was the prophets. And can you imagine, like, Jesus being your teacher for a minute? Like, that had to be such an incredible moment that, that he begins to, to maybe go back to, like, a Genesis, and he says to them, you know, Here, here's, here's who I am, that, that in Genesis 12, he said that God said, I, I will be a bless, you will be a blessing to many nations. That he set in motion this redemption plan. Maybe he went from there to Genesis 22. And, and he talked to them about how Abraham was asked to lay down his firstborn as a sacrifice on an altar. Sound familiar? Foreshadowing of what Jesus would do being sent as the son to lay down his life for us. Maybe from there he went to Psalm 22, which is a prophetic messianic psalm that actually in Psalm 22, hundreds of years before Jesus' death, predicted not just his death, but the nail-pierced hands and the way that he would suffer. And then maybe from there he went to Isaiah 53, and he showed him what, what actually the prophet Isaiah was talking about, this suffering servant that may not look like the leader that you were hoping for, that came like to flex and to get down and and to tear up things, right? It's okay to laugh in church, by the way. (laughs) He just said flex in church. But he was actually a suffering servant who died on a cross. All of this was predicted. You see, Jesus was plan A and has always been plan A. And that is so important to understand and to recognize when we look to the cross, we are not looking to defeat. We are not looking at plan B. We are not looking at God going, whoa, whoa, I didn't see that coming. We are looking at what he planned and intended. And Jesus was plan A. And so when we're on a journey in walking, we need to look to Jesus Because the one who is plan A also knows the plans for us. And I love that they're revealed through his word. You see, the Bible and what it has to say to us is one of the most important things we can come into encounter with. And and however that gets into your life, whether it's through a message like this, whether it's through reading it on your own, whether it's listening to other messages or podcasts, if we can get God's word in us, We can begin to understand more of who Jesus is and what he has for us. It begins to give us clarity. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so here's what's happening to them as he's revealing, listen, this is what I intended. This was not a mistake. I'm here for you. I came for you. Now as it goes on, we'll see how they respond next. Because receiving Jesus 
is actually what leads to this new life on the rise. You see, we can look to the cross, we can look to the tomb, we can see who Jesus is, and he invites us. That's the amazing thing about it, is it's not just that he did these things for us, but that he looks at us and says, come on, let's go. I've got a relationship I want to invite you into. I want you to experience life and life abundantly. Life as it was meant to be. It's not just an invitation to believe in Jesus. That's just the starting point. It's an opportunity to live with Jesus and for Jesus. And so let's see what happens next here in verse 28. It says, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. So they had just walked seven miles with Jesus, the greatest teacher, the Son of God, teaching and revealing who he was. It says, he acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at a table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour, and they returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. You know, Cafe 66 is in the house, not just Jesus. And uh, I had them prepare a plate for me. And man, they, they went all out. Like, this is amazing. And can you imagine what it would have been like? Like, I don't know if they had the biscuits and gravy and the bagel and the banana and the fruit cup and the pancakes. They definitely didn't have these cute little syrup packets, right? But, but they sat down with Jesus. So, so now you, you have this picture of Jesus who's on a journey, who's walking with them, who opens his word to them and begins to reveal who he is, and then takes the time to sit down with them and break bread. In the early church, in Acts chapter 2, we would see later that this was a part of what the church did together. That in fact, they understood that getting into God's word, getting into God's presence, breaking bread together is a part of what it means to be in community together. See, Jesus invites us into community with him and with each other. And why would we you know, be so blessed to partner with the Cafe, Cafe 66 today? Because after service, we want you to connect, to get to know some other people, to have some great food, but also that in the breaking of bread, we can begin to understand who God is better because we begin to see God and his image in others. And in this, this moment in time, it said that when they broke bread, their eyes were opened, that they understood who Jesus was. And I love what's happening here because sometimes the knowledge of God, learning more about the Bible, learning more about God can lead to a big head. Anybody ever encountered anybody that thought they knew it all? <laughs> if they're sitting next to you, don't elbow them. 
What's amazing about who Jesus is, is he's not just a suffering servant, but he's so humble that when we really begin to, to get the knowledge of God, did you catch what happened to them? They didn't get big heads. They got hearts that were burning for God. They got hearts that were becoming on fire for the Lord. The knowledge of God, the knowledge of who Jesus is, is meant not to have a big head, but a heart that's alive, a heart that is burning for him. And what happens to them is they encounter Jesus, they see who he is, and they can't help but go out and share him with those around them. Life on the rise is incredible when Jesus begins to, to come alive in our heart. Not just a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge, a relationship with him. So gentlemen, in the 18th century, uh, John Wesley, that actually uh, in a journal entry of his around the Emmaus Road, he, he was journaling about this very passage in Luke chapter 24. And, and you need to know that John Wesley was somebody that, that was a, a priest in the Church of England that had been sent to America as a missionary. And, and he, he really probably in some ways had a pretty big head, but didn't have a heart that was ablaze yet, didn't have a heart that was on fire, didn't really know the Lord in that way. And so he's sent to America as a missionary in the 18th century, and he gets his tail kicked. There's no other way to say it. Things do not go well. And he goes back to, to England, and he's sitting in a service as somebody who believes in God, but yet doesn't have that heart connection. You know, I've said this before, but the 18 inches on average between head and heart can be the longest road to get those two to, to really connect. And so in his journal entry, he had this experience with the Lord where his heart came alive. It was set on fire. He says this in his journal on May 24th, 1738. He says, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street. And let's just acknowledge some of you aren't here willingly today. Okay? But we are so glad you are here. Can I get an amen? Because God sees you and knows you and wants to meet you in this moment. So he says, I went unwillingly. He says, where one was reading Luther's preface to the epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change with which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. You see, what he understood was the evidence for Jesus was so clear that in fact, in, in scripture, he understood that that the evidence was clear, that there was prophecy about Jesus, that there was testimony about Jesus, that in fact, there were people that had their lives transformed by Jesus, and he opened up his heart and began to experience the Holy Spirit really entering in and warming him, lighting him on fire. And his life was never the same. John Wesley went on to experience revival in England. He was a part of it. The Methodist movement flowed out of the way he organized 
that revival, that heart that was forever changed because he really received Jesus, went out and made such a difference. I believe that God is here, that that God has entered into our world, that he's present even now with us. And I want to share with you that that kid that I showed you in the picture, that grew up in church, that sat in chairs, that was around the things of God, that believed in God, had a moment when he was 19. Moment when I was discouraged, confused, and bewildered, just like they were. A moment where I ended up being hired by a Christian camp. They shouldn't have hired me. (laughs) You're like, wow, this is weird. (laughs) I wasn't living right. And yet as I'm there at that camp for four days of training, I was so under conviction, so sensing God inviting me to something more that I literally packed my bags to leave seven times in four days. I was ready to run. Some of you right now have been running. And the very last night of that training, the founder gave a message. As I'm sitting there, just like you're sitting there, sitting at home, he talked about taking up our cross and following Jesus. And all I can tell you is that I went from holding on to letting go. To to letting go and saying, Lord, whatever you have, I want to receive you. And there is something the Lord did in that moment, 20 plus years ago, that warmed my heart, that set me on fire, that still is shaping and molding me to be who I am today. And my deepest longing for us as a church For those of you that are visitors, is that you encounter Jesus on the rise, that you say, I want to receive him, and I want to share him, and that between receiving and sharing, you are open to whatever the Lord wants to do in your heart, because I believe some of you, you're ready to experience a little bit of what John Wesley experienced, a little bit of what I'm describing, where you let go, you quit trying to control it. And you say, Lord, whatever you want, I want my heart to be ablaze. I want to be on fire for you. Y'all, there's some great days coming. And moments like this, when we just let go and say yes, are how they begin to unfold. So right now, the, the two questions that I would just ask you, first is, have you received Jesus You know, maybe you haven't understood who he was, that he came, that he died, that he rose again as plan A to offer you life and life abundantly, to forgive you of all your sins, to give you hope, and to give you life. Maybe you've done that, but you haven't really allowed him into your heart. You've been playing the the head and heart game, and God's saying, I want you to let go. I want to use you in greater ways, but you've got to let me set your heart on fire again. Church, I believe this is a moment. And I want to pray over us. We're going to open up the altars. And we're just going to say, God, we're here. Whether we're in our seat or coming forward, we want to receive all that you have. 
If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you right now to just pray with me, to repeat after me, to ask him. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, you will be saved. And if you're here and, and your heart is just feeling something different, and you've prayed that prayer, maybe God wants you to recommit today and to receive all that he has. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this space. Thank you for life on the rise. Thank you that, Father, you invite us to so much more than we could ever hope or imagine. Thank you that you enter into our journey, that you reveal yourself through your word, that you want to set our hearts and lives on fire for you. So right now, Lord, in this moment, for anyone that doesn't know you, I pray that they would just hear that knock on their hearts, that door that is opening of faith. That's you, whether you're online or in person. You can pray with me right now. Jesus, I believe that you are the sinless son of God, that you died for my sins and that you rose again. And today I ask that you would forgive me, enter into my heart. You are my Lord and Savior, and I want to follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, all of heaven is celebrating, and we are too. I want to encourage you, if you prayed that with me, whether it's online or in person, if you go to pathwayvb.com Jesus, we have a little card for you to fill out. We'd love to follow up with you. Right now, I'm going to ask that we all rise on the rise. Come on. And we're going to go into this song. The altars are open. We have a prayer team available. If you just prayed, a great next step would not just be filling out that link, but coming forward and letting us celebrate with you and pray with you. If you are here and you're like, I don't know what's going on, but something's different, we want to invite you to come forward and just come into his presence and let us pray with you. Amen? Let's respond to him.
that you are with us here today, and he is our living hope. Amen? Uh, whether you're online or in person, we just want to encourage you to continue to allow God 
to invite you into that life on the rise. Receive all that he has for you. Uh, we'll stay here and up here and available if you have any prayer requests or would like to talk. Our chat host is available online as well. Right now, these cards are inviting you to a couple of next steps. Walk with uh, Me series starts next week and baptism as well if that is something you're interested in. Out these doors, visitors, we'd love for you to come by our Welcome Center. And then to the left is our cafe if you're here in person. And we have Cafe 66. Now here's the deal. In 20 minutes, we start another service. What does that mean? That means you're going to eat well, and you're going to see a lot of people showing up, and it's going to be potentially congested. But we're going to love everyone in our pathway. Amen? We're going to love our neighbors. Be polite, be respectful, and let's build some community together. Amen? Amen. Go now and be the church. Have a great week.